But if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, that's, if you're using the green Bible you got on the way in, it's page 915, otherwise find it on your own, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all right? And we've been in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is all about, as we've talked about many times already, living in victory and the Holy Spirit's power. Living in victory in the Holy Spirit's power no matter what we are facing in life, no matter what is going on in our church, no matter what is happening to our country, we can still live in victory in, in the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what this has been all about, whatever we're facing in our life. <clears throat> and the, the title for today is Divine Appointments. Divine Appointments, we never know where we'll end up. Divine appointments, we never know where we'll end up. We're going to do Acts 8, 26 to 39. Have you ever had a divine appointment? Yes, you have. Whether you realize it or not, you have had divine appointments. We all have. Uh, that God sent you to someone or someone to you or something just all happened in such a way that you knew this had to be God. A divine appointment. It maybe was when you were, were, became a Christian, your salvation, that something amazing happened, God worked that out, or, or you've helped someone else become a Christian, and you've seen that divine appointment happen. Crazy. Maybe it was a warning in your life. Something happened in your life that was a warning, and, and God sent a divine appointment to warn you about something. Maybe it was with a job. Maybe it was a house that you ended up getting. Maybe it was a, a job you got or didn't get. Maybe it was a house that you know just God just opened it up the, for you. To, to buy your rent. Maybe it's the church that you're in. Maybe, maybe uh, I know some people are visiting, but maybe you're here at this church because of a divine appointment. You know, think of all the different ways that we all ended up here, <laughs> including me. It could be anything. A divine appointment could be anything. I was talking to a guy at the soccer field yesterday, and he was telling me about <clears throat> how he was at. Uh, he was watching the kids real close. I go, oh, they'll be fine. He goes, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm paranoid now. A couple days before, he was at another practice field, and there was a hill and the kids were rolling down the hill on the grass like they like to do roll down the hill but there were also cars backing out at the same time and he said he saw a car a kid rolling down the hill and a car backing up and it was so low the kid was so low it didn't set off the beeper you know the backup beeper and and the kid literally was under the car ready to be run over and he hit, hit on the car banged on the car and the person stopped real quick and he said there's a kid under your tire kid would have been run over and who knows what would have happened the purpose like i didn't even know the thing didn't go off you know because the kid was too low and that's a divine appointment save that kid's life that's a divine appointment obviously right uh we're in god's hands you know the whole thing you know we're in god's hands we're gonna see a divine appointment today with a deacon philip deacon philip and there's some really key lessons for us on our divine appointments keeping our eyes open and, and being ready to to do what god has called us to do let's pray Father, we thank you for each one of us that is either, either here or here watching at home. Father, we know that that's no accident, that that's a divine appointment. You have something you want to do in our life. Maybe it's salvation. Somebody will put their faith in Christ today. Maybe it's being warned about something and turning away from something that, that needs to be, to be warned against. Maybe you're leading us in some way to... to fulfill your purpose for our life whatever it is we just pray that your holy spirit would speak through your word now through your mercy and grace we pray this in jesus name amen okay so let's read the passage first of all acts 8 starting with verse 26 now an angel of the lord said to philip go south to the road the desert road that goes from jerusalem to gaza 
So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Wow, we're going to have fun with this one. Okay, first of all, who was the Ethiopian? Who was this Ethiopian? It says it right here. He's a high court official. He's in charge of the treasury for Queen Candace. But why was he a eunuch? Why was he a eunuch? Eunuchs were often slaves that were captured and they had promise. They were taken in slavery somehow and they they had promise. Okay, and because they had promise, they would uh, uh, castrate them. They would, you know. Yeah, castrate them. That's what they would do. Uh, I grew up on a farm. We had other words. But anyway, the uh, the what they, they would do that because. That was how they would keep them from getting into trouble. Very likely, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were eunuchs. Very, very likely, because they probably couldn't have served where they served in the Babylonian Empire like that. But that's a picture. And what they would do, they would, they would castrate them, and that would protect the king's harem, all right? Make sure now these girls who only got, were talked to once a year, maybe, by the king, you know, developed bonds of affection. So they would protect their harem that way. But this time, he's with a queen. So he's not, she's not protecting her harem, but she... They, do, they would do this for a queen, their slaves, their high officials who became the slaves that became high officials. They would uh, uh, make them into eunuchs to protect them from being raped, to, uh, to protect their reputation. So nobody could say, oh, why is she spending so much time with the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, the reputation and also to protect the royal seed because they didn't want to, you know, you all saw a brave heart. You know, you want to make sure somebody didn't sneak in and, and you know, met, you know, create a, a new line without the king knowing about it, okay, to protect the royal seed. Many of you are being pressured to be vaccinated to keep your jobs. Now, that's bad enough, but how would you imagine this, having to be castrated to get your job? You know, I mean, this is even, even harder, right? Even worse, right? So, yeah, yeah, just, yeah they're going to think of that next, right? Yeah, we won't put it past, we won't put it past our government. But anyway, uh, anywho, uh, why... Was So we know he's the Ethiopian. We know he was a eunuch. We know who he was. But why was he reading from the book of Isaiah? 
Why? And I know several people have tried to figure this out because there's several connections, several connections. But so far, nobody's come up with all the connections. There are several Jewish Hebrew connections to the Ethiopians. The first one is Moses. <laughs> Moses. I, I can see Nancy at home, like, hitting her Bible, right? And Brenda here. Uh, Moses. Moses. Now, get this. Josephus, the historian, who is very, very, very accurate. Josephus, the historian, says that when Moses... I'm going to read his quote. When Moses was nourished in the king's palace, right, he was appointed general of the army against the Ethiopians and conquered them when he married the king's daughter. The Ethiopian king's daughter married her because of her affection for him. She delivered the city to him. He's trying to take one last city, one last region wasn't taken, and they used Moses to take the army and to take the, conquer the Ethiopians, one last area. But, but the princess fell in love with him. The Ethiopian princess fell in love with him, opened the gates, worked it out that he could take this without bloodshed. And, 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 they, and because of that... Uh, Josephus tells us her name was, I'll say, because of her affection, she delivered the city to him. Josephus tells us her name was Tharbis, Tharbis, and she had fallen in love with him, and the marriage was consummated, consummated. Did anybody remember, do you remember the, the original Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston? And you remember when he, wa- he, he comes in after conquering? This is what it's based on. They did this based on Josephus' history. They, he, they brought in all the conquered people, and one of the conquered groups that came in were the Ethiopians, remember? And they had the, 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 the beautiful black woman that came in, and she was all with the feathers and all the, the gold and all that. And remember, she made eyes at Moses, and he, he gave her that smile, right? That was because, according to Josephus, he actually married that Ethiopian princess. That, now, when you watch the movie again, watch it. You'll see that what they were, were doing with that, okay? Uh, and there's enough historical clues from history that many believe Moses' son, they had a son, believe that his son ended up in the lineage of the Ethiopian rulers. In fact, if you study the Ethiopian history, you'll see many, there's several times there's a, a, someone in that lineage called Moses in Ethiopia, you know, and they're like, what? You know, because there's a lot of clues like that. It's very likely that he married her, had a child, was with her until he was expelled from Egypt. Uh, he still had a connection with her up until that time. Uh, it, the, it's, it's very likely that after he came back, after the 40 years, he came back to Egypt. He reunited with Tharbis. Now, the problem is that that left him with two eyes. No big deal back then, right? We all know what it was like back then. But he had two wives. He had Tharbis and Zipporah. In fact, I'm going to show, give, you, give you, it's even in the Bible here. Look at, uh, let's look at uh, Numbers. Numbers 12, 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. And the Lord heard this. Cushite refers to the area now known as Ethiopia. Zipporah was not from Ethiopia, right? We know where she was from. Wasn't there. She, but his first wife, who he got reunited with, obviously, uh, it, 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 she, this is Ethiopia. And now the real issue here was jealousy of Moses. They're jealous. Miriam wanted to be in charge, you know. 
pushy sister. Nobody has one of those. Uh, you know, she wanted to be in charge, and Aaron was going along with he, go, he was always going along with everything. Yeah, we'll make a golden net calf. You know, he was just a real kind of laid back, went along with everything. A weak, you know, brother. And so, so she's so they 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 went after Moses. Now they're really after his leadership. They really want to be equal to him. That's really what. But in order to get at him, they went after his wife Tharbeth, her origin. And, and, and the Kushite is Ethiopia. And the word Ethiopia literally means burnt face. Burnt face. It's a Greek term from way, way before this. And it just means burnt face. It just means that she was black. All right? Ethiopians were black. And, and uh, God judged them. Moses had no problem with her being black. Right? And we're going to see another king who had no problem with a black wife. Because, uh, follow me, God judged them for the attack they made on Moses here. He judged them for attacking Moses' leadership primarily, but God always hits two for one. He's very economical. He, one judgment can hit many different things, and we've all experienced that, haven't we? One discipline affects you know, five of us, right? And, and so God's very economical. He not only takes care of the Moses' leadership issue, but he also, he also deals with them calling, you know, being down on her because she's an Ethiopian. Brown Miriam. This is not white versus black. Miriam was brown. Right? The, 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 the Hebrews were brown, you know, and lots of different tints of brown. All right. So so Brown Miriam attacks black Tharbis, Moses wife. Let's connect some dots. Let's look at numbers 12. Now look at verse nine. The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted above the tent, there stood Miriam leprous like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy, and then it went downhill from there. All right, she ended up getting forgiven because of Moses, but but it was look what happened. She was leprous like snow. She was God bleached her, no color, no color. All right, there's no such thing in God's eyes as race. There's no such thing as race in God's eyes. No such thing. There's only the human race. There's one race on this planet. We all come from Adam and Eve. And we all are from one race. And that's why the Bible doesn't talk about race. It talks about nations and tribes, and but it doesn't talk about race. There's only one race in God's eyes, a human race. And our identity cannot be in what we perceive as our race. I hear people talk about, well, I'm a white, you know, Christian. Or, or I, and, and often now I hear people say, well, I'm a black. Christian. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I tell people right up front, that is not your identity. You we are not white or black anything. We are a Christian who happens to be white. Or if you're black, you're a Christian who happens to be black. It can never, ever be our identity. That no, 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 no. Uh, you know that our our identity is as a Christian who just happens to be red and yellow, black and white. Right. Who are precious in God's sight. You know, that's our identity has to be as a Christian. The moment you put your faith in Christ, you are no longer the white Christian or the black Christian or the, you know, the, you know, the, you know, anything else. We are only Christians. And there's one race, the human race. And it's very vital that the church leads in this truth, that the church leads in this healing 
Very, very important. And the church hasn't always led in it, but it needs to. Galatians 3.28. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ. One in Christ. And that goes for everything. So, Josephus tells us that the Ethiopian region that Moses conquered was known as Saba. Saba. Which... Later was known as Seba, which we now know as, know as Sheba. Sheba. Are you connecting some dots here? Which brings us to the connection number two. You guys are learning something today, aren't you? <laughs> connection number two. King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. She was an Ethiopian. Okay? And the Bible says she came because she heard of Solomon's wisdom, which is true. That's why she came. But it's also likely not only that she had a connection, a Hebrew connection. It was already there by this time, a a connection with the Jews because of Moses. And tradition tells us that she came and and met with Solomon. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Bible tells us. I'll hit the tradition in a minute. Bible tells us she came, she met with Solomon, and she... uh, uh, she ended up w- giving lots of gifts. He gave her gifts. He, she decided she's going to worship the one true God. She actually took that worship back to Ethiopia, back to Sheba, and she took the worship of, of uh, Jehovah back. And not only that, she took a replica of the ark, a replica How do we know that? Because they still think they have the Ark of the Covenant. Do you know that the Ethiopians still think they have, the Jewish Ethiopians still think they have the Ark? They don't have the real Ark. They have a replica, but they're convinced they had it. And and that's where it ended up. We know it was probably either destroyed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar or it's hidden away somewhere until until Jesus comes again. We don't know. We'll see. But right now we don't know where it is, but we do know it's not in Ethiopia. That was a replica. We know that, okay? Uh, Also... She also brought back something else from Solomon. Something even more exciting. Everybody thinks about a son. Thank you. She brought back a son. Oh, can you? That tradition is pretty well firmly established that she and, and Solomon fell in love for the short time. And you know Solomon, a thousand wives, you know, a thousand wives. We, we, this isn't hard to imagine, is it? She came back with a son. And she brought the son back, and that was in the lineage. Now, this is now in the the royal lineage of Ethiopia. Through Queen Sheba and Solomon, she has the worship of Jehovah. They have the ark. And, And because of this, you can read history and see the amazing Jewish heritage in Ethiopia. And, and not only that, it's so firmly established. They've done all kinds of DNA testing, and, and there's a lot of hints that this, they could even figure out DNA-wise, but they're still discussing this, wrestling this. But, but the, the, the DNA, there's so much proof of this lineage that they allowed the Ethiopian Hebrews, Jews, to come back to Israel. Are you aware of that story? You know, when they allow the Jews to come from different countries, they allowed them to come, the Ethiopians to come to Israel. The, I'm going to read the quote here. The Ethiopian Beta Israel community in Israel today comprises more than 150,000 people. This is about 1% of the Jews in, in Israel are Ethiopian. Most of the population are descendants and the immigrants who came to Israel during Operation Moses in 1984. 
in Operation Solomon in 1991. Everybody knows it. They, they, they couldn't deny it. And you watch the videos of these people getting off the planes. Unbelievable. So moving. So moving. Coming to Israel. Being gathered prophetically. Gathered. Wild. Which now brings us back to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch. That's why he's reading Isaiah 53. In Ethiopia, they read the Bible. He was reading the Hebrew Scriptures because that's who they were worshiping. And this Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53 specifically, and I'm going to read a couple of verses around it. I'm going to start with verse 3. Let's look at Isaiah 53, which he was reading in which then... Philip used to bring him to faith in Christ. I'm going to start with verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment... That brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How could you miss this, right? He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shares. Is silent. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who could speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Wow. There have been many Jewish groups throughout history that have blocked the reading of that passage. They'll actually have readings through Isaiah and they'll actually just leave out Isaiah 53 because it is so clear and they can't explain it and they get sick of arguing with Christians about it. I had a friend who's a pastor, and I remember him telling me the story at one of his family gatherings. He's Jewish, but he became a Christian, and he was at one of his family gatherings with all of his Jewish relatives, and they were discussing Jesus. And, and, and he said, well, let, let me, and he was trying to convince them, you know, Jesus was the Messiah. Let me just read you something. Let me read you something out of the Bible, and you tell me what you think. And he read to him Isaiah 53 in front of the whole family. 
He said, who is that? He goes, well, that's obviously Jesus. The uncle said that. He goes, I just read this out of Isaiah 53. The uncle was shocked. And I'll never forget, he said, you may be right. Jesus may be the Messiah. His uncle said that. Powerful. So Philip uses Isaiah 53 to lead him to faith in Christ. He uses other verses too. But this is shocking proof that Jesus was the Messiah. You have to not want to believe it. God has given us so much proof biblically historically that you have to not want to believe Jesus is the Messiah. It's, it can't get me any more clear. Why, knowing this, this, this guy's reading, I'm going to bring this in too. He's reading Isaiah. Why did God send the deacon Philip to share Jesus with him? Well, we see working together here, don't we? We see God's word. We see the Holy Spirit's leading. And we see a human instrument an evangelist, but why did God send him to this guy with this miraculous leading? Why did he send him to him? Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek for me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. That is a promise in scripture. A lot of people will ask, and I'm sure Chuck and your evangelistic team out there, people will say, well, what about the person who's never heard about Jesus? How many times have you heard that? A million? What about, that, what about the native in deep, dark Africa who's never heard? You know, that was a common thing, right? Never, that's what they would say. What about that person? What if they didn't hear about Jesus? This Ethiopian eunuch is God's answer. If someone is truly searching, truly searching, God will make sure they hear about Jesus. He'll make sure of it. And we're going to see that all throughout Acts. Wait till we get to Acts 10 and stuff. We're going to see that all throughout Acts. The same proof over and over again, over and over again. That's the answer. If, if someone is really seeking for God, he will make sure they find him. And another reason why God sent him to the Ethiopian is that tradition tells us, and once again, it's Christian tradition this time, tells us that this Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia and established the Christian church. God was ready to establish his church. But first, before he goes back and establishes the church, something else very important happens. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, Here is water, verse 36. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water and Philip baptized him. So we see before that he was baptized. Baptism is vital. At salvation, baptism, we had the video. It was perfect timing today. Thank you, Polsons, for perfect timing. Divine appointment, right? All right. Uh, When... If you have put your faith in Jesus and have not been baptized yet, what are you waiting for? Uh, we're, we're ready when you are. The river's there. Do it before the ice forms. That's all I ask, all right? But the river's there. The Ethiopian also didn't waste any time. He got baptized, and he was so pumped up. 
he was, he was so excited. He gets baptized, and then it says later on, it says he went on his way rejoicing. Why was he so excited? <clears throat> Salvation is exciting, right? Awesome. But there's also another reason why he was so excited to be able to become a Christian and to become part of the body of Christ. Some, he was part, allowed to become part of the body of Christ. And you have to go all the way back to Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, to see why he was really so excited. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Eunuchs were outsiders. They weren't allowed to be in the worship, the assembly of the Lord. They had to be on the outside looking in. So this guy, who is an outsider, reads Isaiah 53, right? And, and as a result of becoming a Christian, finding out about Jesus, he fulfills Isaiah 56, a couple of verses, a couple of chapters ahead of this. And Isaiah 56, look at this. Isaiah 56, verse 4. For this is what the Lord says. This is a messianic prophecy. Jesus actually quotes part of this in uh, Matthew 21. He quotes part of this after he cleansed the temple. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs. Who keep my Sabbaths. Who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. Think about the Ethiopian eunuch. Reading Isaiah 53. And the foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath out, desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer. Sound familiar? For all nations. Are we connecting the dots? That's why he was so pumped. Anyone can put their faith in Christ. No one is ever disqualified. Lucky for us. And I want to end with one more key lesson, one more connect the dots to our lives, which is the divine appointment part of it. 
I'm going to read again, start with verse 26 to 29, because this is why I want to drive home to end this here. The divine appointment where it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and went on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Philip was led by the Spirit to the Ethiopian. He was told to follow near the chariot, to get close to it. All right. The Holy Spirit often leads us to someone and tells us to live out our faith where they can see us. Right. He leads us to someone in our life somewhere and we're told to live out our faith where they can see it. And that's why it's so vital to put ourselves out there. Philip was asked to put himself out there. He didn't get in front of the chariot and stop it. He ran alongside and, and waited until the guy's noticing. He's got to be reading it, looking over this guy, you know. What's he doing? He's going to carjack me, you know. He's going to chariot jacking, right? He had to be a little nervous there. But it's vital to put ourselves out there where God leads us to. It might be a team. It might be our school. It might be our neighborhood. It might be the fire company. It might be uh, a job. It, it, it could be at work. You know, hey, say grace. You know, oh, I don't have to say grace at work so people can see you and think you're weird and make fun of you until they need God. And then they're going to ask you for, to pray for them. He, we're called to live it and be ready when the crack opens. And sometimes you've got to wait a long time, but be ready when that crack opens. First Peter, first Peter three fifteen. Most of you probably have this memorized. Wink, wink. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready. Always be ready. But it didn't end there for Philip. The Ethiopian divine appointment was just the first step. Look what happened right after that. I'll give you a hint. Beam me up, Scotty. All right, here we go. Verse 30. Then Philip, Philip ran ahead. Uh, wait, I'm reading. The, oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 39. Uh, reading on. Verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Uh, you ever see the movie Jumper? The guy could just like jump to different parts of the world, you know, and, and, and uh, anyway, I, I thought it was clever, but anyway, he could just jump and then, okay, or beam me up, Scotty, for those who are older, all right, beam me up, Scotty, but he ends up, Philip, the, 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 the Ethiopian divine appointment was just the first step, all of a sudden, boom, he's 20 miles away in Azatas, and, and, and he doesn't even miss a beat, he just keeps on preaching, and then it says he kept going, he ended up in Caesarea, which was 40 miles further, it says there, he went 40 miles further and just keeps preaching and guess what this jumper this guy who's bopping around hopping around all of a sudden lands in Caesarea and he stops 
In fact, 20 years later in Acts 21, verse 8, I bet most of you don't even never realize this. In Acts 21, verse 8, 20 years later, this is 20 years later chronologically, leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist. One of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Wow. Wow. He ended up 20 years later there. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, when we follow the Holy Spirit, we never know where we're going to end up, do we? Or for how long we'll be there. Philip jumping, hopping, jumping, right? And he lands, but he finally lands in the same place for 20 years with a prophetic family. How would you like to have dinner with them? Right? <laughs> You're the last trouble, buddy. <laughs> you know, four girls prophesying, you know, telling you what you better do. <laughs> he ended up with a prophetic family, a blessed family, didn't he? A blessed family. I remember I, when I was, I was looking at this, I was like, it reminded me of my life in a lot of ways. My first 15, I've been in ministry about 35 years now. My first 15 years of ministry, uh, I was in four different churches and also had a, and I, after that I had a revival ministry, evangelistic ministry for four more years. So in 15 years, I had five different ministries in 15 years. And didn't, ever, didn't know if it would ever be different. I land here. And I've been stuck here for 21 years. <laughs> no more jumping. <laughs> With lots of kids in ministry, right? Lots of kids in ministry. We're going to commission Josh and Tatiana in just a moment. Are you ready to jump? Are you ready to jump? Are you willing to follow the Holy Spirit to whomever? wherever, for however long God leads you to do it, are you willing to follow him? Are, you pray, are we praying for and looking for divine appointments? Are we doing that? Are, we, are our eyes open for that? God will send them. If we, if we will pray and keep our eyes open, he's going to send us divine appointments. I shared this these stories before but i just they're so perfect for this here i remember when kim and i were in uh connecticut we had an inner city ministry yeah that's right look at me four years we did the inner city ministry it was crazy and uh we were in a church but we we're also doing this inner city ministry and i'll never forget the one young man accepted christ that we were on our what are we doing they were just it was such a rough situation but one of the kids apparently accepted Christ and I was excited, but I couldn't bring him to the regular Sunday school class because it just wouldn't have worked. So uh, he was from, you know, he called himself from the ghetto. That's the word he used, uh, the ghetto. He actually started a rap group called uh, Preachers from the Ghetto. And uh, and, uh, it was a rough, rough guy, rough, but I I had to start from the the basics. And so he came to my class. My house, it was right next to the church, he came to the house and, and he, we were started to Sunday school class. He says, can I bring someone next time? I said, sure, bring someone. The next time he showed up for Sunday school class, in the regular Sunday school classes going on before church, and he's at my house and he brings his friend Rick. And, uh, and he goes, here's Rick, he wants to become a Christian too. So I prayed with him and he accepted Christ. It was awesome. 
And uh, later that day, I went outside, and, or no, it was the next day, actually. I went outside, and I saw a car right across from my driveway, right in the parking lot there. And, and, and it was like sitting there, and it looked like it was kind of banged up. Somebody had broken a window, cracked, something like that. And I went, looked inside, and there was groceries in the back, just rotting in the back. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a stolen car. The crime has come to my neighborhood. So... I called the police. They came. Yeah, it was stolen from the supermarket. They knew all about it, and uh, and that was that. And and I warned the youth group the next week. I said, guys, watch out. Be careful. There's people stealing cars right here around our church. You know, so block your cars. Blah blah blah. I get done, and and Juan and Rick come up to me. Said, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Your car won't get stolen. I go, well, how do you know? They goes, because we stole that one. I said, what? He said, that's how we got to church. We had no way to get to church. I said, I'll send the van down. (laughs) You're Christians. No more stealing cars. Okay, we get it. We get it. No more cars. We had to go pick them up in the van every Sunday. Years later... Divine appointments. Years later, Juan shows up out of the blue. I hadn't seen him in years. I was planning another church in another town in Connecticut. And he shows up with his friend Eric. He said, remember what you did for Rick? I want you to do it for Eric now. He wants to become a Christian. I said, great. I said, what did you drive? (laughs) Eric had a car. It was okay. And, and, uh, I start to witness to him, share the gospel, you know, and I'm sharing it with him. And I'm reading out of the NIV version, which is, you know, pretty basic back then. And I'm reading out of it. And and Eric just couldn't get it. He's like, I, I want to believe in Jesus. I just can't. I'm having understanding, trouble understanding. Now, he was not, he was a real smart kid. But just the English itself wasn't, wasn't matching with him. Uh, and, and he's like, I just having trouble understanding. I go, okay, this is so easy. NIV, you know, it's not the King James, right? And he's like, he's like I just, I'm just not getting it. I go, but, but if I could find a Bible that you understood, then you would want to become a Christian. Oh, yeah, I really want to. I just can't. I'm just not getting this. I'm like, what could I use, right? What's any easier than any of you are more concise? And once again, he's really smart, really smart kid, college grad. He ended up being a college graduate, really, real smart. But he just couldn't connect with the English. The doorbell rings. The doorbell rings. The guy delivers, the mailman delivers a box to me. And in the box, I'm like, what is this? I didn't order anything. He goes, I don't know. I took it, and I look at it, and there's a, a box. And I said, sorry, guys, this just got delivered. Uh, and I saw Bibles on the tag. I opened it up, and it was a newer version of the Bible, some translation. I can't remember what it was now, but, but it was a new, tra- new, new translation in really, really new English. I was like... They were like, <laughs> I hand him the Bible, and I start it over again. And he goes, oh, yeah, I totally get this. He accepted Christ on the spot. Divine appointments. 
Are we looking for them? Are we praying for them? They're everywhere. Right? They're everywhere. You don't have to boardwalk, but you don't have to go to the boardwalk. They're everywhere. Are, are, we, are we keeping our eyes open? Are we praying for them? Are we spirit sensitive? Have we surrendered our life in such a way that God can use us for these divine appointments? And maybe you are here and you're not a Christian yet. The divine appointment you need is with Jesus Christ, first of all. You've never surrendered your life. You're like the Ethiopian eunuch. You're damaged. The Ethiopian eunuch was damaged. He was wounded by the world. He was wounded by sin. Wounded. Cut off from fellowship. But when he found Jesus and surrendered to him, he found his healing. He found forgiveness. John 3.16. Have you ever acted on John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? The word believe in the Greek means to put your faith in. It means to cling to, to trust and to completely depend on. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? His death on the cross for you. Isaiah 53, sacrifice for our sin, for our forgiveness. For our healing, by his wounds we are healed. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Like the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's pray. First of all, as we're praying, I want to talk to those first of all who have never put their faith in Jesus. Whether you're here or out listening somewhere, if you've never surrendered your life like the Ethiopian. Never climbed down out of your high horse, your high chariot, and got down in that water. Been washed clean of sin by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Is the Holy Spirit calling you? Is the Holy Spirit pulling on your heart right now? Don't resist. Surrender your life to Jesus. Put your faith in him. It's in your heart. It's a prayer from your heart. Look at the Ethiopian. Just got down out and said, I want to be baptized. It's a prayer in your heart right now. Just like, God, I, I repent of my sin. I ask you to wash away my shame. I ask you to restore me to fellowship with you, God. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Your son, I'm putting my faith in his death on that cross for me. In his resurrection from the dead for me to give me new life. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, or if you do pray that prayer of faith, then like the Ethiopian eunuch, you've just been saved. You've just been washed clean. You've just been made 
into a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend or somebody at work or somebody. If you tell me on the way out or email me, nhcc at comcast.net. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and, and help you grow. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we living surrendered lives in the Spirit? Eyes open for divine appointments. Maybe God is putting somebody on our heart right now that we have been resistant talking to. Maybe God is putting a difficult person in our heart right now to come alongside of them and live out Jesus Christ alongside of them. Maybe we know God has been calling us to take a step of faith in some way, but we've been resistant to the jump. And today our prayer is, God, I'll go wherever, whenever, to whomever you call me to. For however long you want me to be there, whether it's one hour or it's 20 years. Father, we we pray that you would be able to use each one of us like you used Philip in a powerful way. We pray I pray that each one of us I pray that we would be active in sharing our faith so that we will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.